Welcome to Whitestone Podcast from the Whitestone Forum. This podcast is for business and nonprofit leaders like you and me, specifically designed around building, polishing, and leveraging our competencies. Each episode will provide a lens through which ever-growing citizens of God's kingdom can think about very effectively impacting every one of their organizations. For Whitestone Podcast, I'm Kevin Miller. How about that Ralph Sylvester Peer? Who you say? Yes, that's Ralph Peer, spelled P-E-E-R. Oh, so you haven't heard of Ralph Peer? Well, that's no surprise. In fact, it's right in line with Ralph Peer's thinking himself. You see, Ralph Peer, quote, doubted anybody would have any interest in a music publisher unless it was the angle of the beginning of a new era in popular music. But even then, nobody gives a darn, unquote. Well, Ralph Peer didn't actually say darn in that interview. <laughs> Good thing that Barry Mazur, a highly respected music and business journalist, didn't take that sentiment of Ralph's seriously, because he wrote a book titled, quote, Ralph Peer and the Making of Popular Roots Music, unquote. What a great book. But that book's title doesn't really do justice to the book's full scope and narrative. Let's start with a short glimpse of Ralph Peer's life story. This very book quotes an obituary for Ralph Peer published in 1960 in the famous weekly entertainment publication, Variety Magazine. Quote, Ralph Peer, music publisher and one-time recording exec, was a pioneer in several areas of the music biz, on the artistic front, he was among the first to see the potential in hillbilly, rhythm and blues, and Latin American music. On the business end, he took the lead in thinking of the music biz in worldwide terms. A shrewd businessman, Peer was highly regarded by songwriters for his scrupulous honesty. Unquote. Pretty cool. Kind of glitzy, huh? But the deeper reality is there is likely no one more responsible than Ralph Peer in dramatically pioneering and growing worldwide popular music in multiple genres, fruitfully impacting the lives of its songwriters and performers, and yeah, enhancing the lives of its music listeners. The substantive part of the story is in the 1920s. When the 36-year-old Peer traveled to the hinterlands and backwoods of rural America to find what he called local music. And boy, did he have an ear and an instinct for the types of music that would become enjoyed by many millions in the decades following. Music scholars tell us that cutting a swath from New York City south to key cities in the U.S., Peer made historic, quote, recordings of blues, ragtime, gospel, ballads, topical songs, and string bands, unquote. Yes, Peer was clearly recording multiple genres in his search for local music that might appeal to a much wider audience. And to Peer, local music meant something very original to each musician. Well, one of those city stops by Peer was in Bristol, Tennessee, where his specific recording sessions would come to be called the Big Bang of Country Music. 
you know, to represent Pierre's doings as the beginning of it all. So, just who did Pierre specifically record? Well, that would include two legends in country music, Jimmy Rogers, as well as the Carter family, who themselves had traveled all day just to cover the 30 or so miles from their home remote in the hills. Yeah, to be a vital part of these so-called Bristol sessions. Perhaps you've heard of that Carter family. There was Sarah and husband A.P. and sister-in-law Maybell. Peer immediately fell in love with Sarah's voice, a real winner. Now, A.P. had a slight but distinctive tremor in his voice due to a medical condition. And amazingly, some modern country musicologists attribute that as part of authentic country music roots. You know, like Kenny Rogers styling in his song, The Gambler. Or Christian gospel artist Bart Millard in the song, Word of God Speak. And David Crowder singing, How He Loves. All that started with hillbilly music that came a-rolling down the hills of dirt-poor Appalachia where both the worship of God and family pastimes were much focused on distinctive homespun singing. Of course, that was the original Carter family. Thereafter, Maybell forged another music group with her three daughters. And were they ever so popular, vaulting to the big stage and audience attention at the Grand Ole Opry? Of course, One of those daughters was June Carter, who later married Johnny Cash. Hey, remember that gravelly tremor in Johnny Cash's own personal singing style? Well, after a lifetime in country music entertainment, June Carter Cash passed away in 2003, and Johnny also a few months later. So, the Carter first family two-generation legacy in country music lasted in person for over seven decades. But here are the radical breakaways, the paths that Ralph took business-wise right there in the Bristol Roots era. Peer went to his employer, the Victor Talking Machine Company, and asked for just a $1 per year contract but also with Peer carving out royalties from the recordings, then splitting those royalties with the artists. Wow, that was previously unheard of. And as they say, the rest is history. Only this time, history is really true. Yes, Peer is a modern pioneer of creating royalty income for music artists. His employer was stunned that he was taking such a path. But as Pierre said later, clearly more than a bit tongue-in-cheek, he was a businessman and a gambler. Yeah, like Bill Gates was a gambler and like Jeff Bezos was a gambler. You see, there's a big difference between loose gambling against the house in Vegas versus taking an astute, well-considered risk in business innovation and persevering entrepreneurship. This historic, extraordinary step and the betterment of lives of artists is what has helped dramatically foster the proliferation of music worldwide the last hundred years. Yes, if you only have a few fans, like many artists do, you won't make millions writing songs and performing. 
But in the digital era of companies with worldwide reach like Spotify, an elite artist can make many millions each year on royalties. Hey, that's one of Ralph Peer's key contributions that everybody in the supply chain of great music can get rewarded. Still, a key part of Peer's genius and drive was also to discover, or perhaps a better word is uncover, what's nowadays called roots music. That's Peer's local music idea that can work to appeal to a much wider audience. And indeed, Peer was very much at the root of uncovering roots music artists. From rhythm and blues to the early gospel-infused hillbilly-turned-country music to Cuban and Latin American music. Yeah, Peer went international in focus, including Europe, when virtually nobody else was, growing his company's presence to 21 countries by the 1950s. And these types of roots bore fruit all the way to modern, popular, and rock music. Yeah, Elvis Presley's very first record had peer-initiated copyrights. But like for all companies, it was not all a bed of roses. In 1950, the company didn't even pay employees their expected Christmas bonuses. But the company came back soon, continuously innovating with artists like Buddy Holly, even while Peer helped steer a revival of broadcasting country music, which had fallen to just a few radio stations in the U.S. dedicated to that genre. Along the way, Peer responded with key, balanced industry leadership regarding thorny worldwide issues around international copyrights. And just who better qualified for that than the groundbreaking Ralph Peer? But then... Peer died in 1960. However, his legacy was carried on. Indeed, his company didn't miss a beat. (laughs) With his widow, Monique, running the company, and then ultimately his son, also named Ralph Peer, taking over. And currently, granddaughter, Mary Megan Peer, is the CEO. And so it all continued from the founder's death in 1960 to this very day, with a company that's now called Peer Music, associated in one specific way or another for decades with hits by a treasure trove of successful talent like the Rolling Stones, Chicago, the Allman Brothers, Kiss, David Foster, Whitney Houston, Garth Brooks, Christina Aguilera, Rascal Flatts, Josh Groban, Bob Seger, Katy Perry, Beyonce, Nick Jonas, Drake, Jason Aldean. And yeah, remember those shared copyright fees? After criticism about its lack of transparency, Spotify released information about how much it paid artists in royalties just in 2021 for its streaming. Seven billion dollars. And that's just one company. That's a long way from the Carter family driving down to Bristol, where Ralph Peer was in the process of creating what we can call his own roots for shared royalties for the betterment of artists worldwide to this very day. Here's how biographer Mazur 
captures Peer's influence. Quote, Ralph Peer envisioned markets and genres that hadn't been there at all, tested them and experimented with them. He matched music and artists that worked together in the areas he identified, and he kept finding fresh ways to repeat the outcome, expanding the musical possibilities for them all. He made many people a decent livelihood in the process, and he changed what we can hear. These were not small things. For many, they were everything, unquote. Here's what Peer himself said, quote, Somebody had to discover it, and I did. And I figured out these things in my own mind. But if I didn't, somebody else would have, unquote. Hey, wait a minute, Ralph, not so fast. True risk-taking and innovation that perseveres for decades and ultimately betters the lives of hundreds of millions of people, well, that doesn't just happen. The reality is, Ralph Peer crafted innovative paths for both royalties and roots music that underlie pop music today. Yes, Peer is without Peer in the history of music. Thank you for listening to Whitestone Podcast. Visit our website, whitestone.org, for more real-world equipping. There you'll find uncommon video teachings, application and action questions for this podcast episode, and more. Also, check out our unique downloadable resources for group meetups. That's whitestone.org. I'm Kevin Miller.